0: today.
1: the
2: sky's the limit I think the biggest thing is staying healthy and, and you know we all we
0: all are right now and and at least for the most part and and we're um we're gonna be we're gonna be really good so I think we're gonna shock a lot of people and, and it's gonna be a lot of fun It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Monday, March the 26th, 2018. Opening day just a few days away. Of course, uh, I'm your host, Mike Silva, and you can check out the show all the time at MetsamorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Check out our friends over at The Grueling Truth, which are also part of the iHeart. Radio Network. Hope everybody's uh, doing well, and I guess you could say this is our official opening day preview show, and joining me in just a couple of minutes is a good friend of the show. You guys know him from Gotham Baseball, Gotham Baseball Magazine, GothamBaseball.com. Mark Healy, uh, he joined us a few months back. He also uh, moderated the Queens Baseball Convention, and for those who are not familiar with that, every January. I guess I would call it the Comic-Con for Mets fans. So Mark will be joining us and we will be previewing the 2018 Mets. So after really a slow winter with very little hot stove news that popped up a little bit after the new year and a spring training that I think went by fast but I think spring training in general starts to drag after a certain point. Uh, the baseball season is here. The 2018 baseball season is here. It is year number three of the Talky Mets podcast. Th- year, year number three of the affiliation with our good friends over at MetsMorizedOnline.com and it's been a, a blast and uh, every year I think the show evolves and we have tons of fun and I hope you continue to enjoy it. The numbers indicate that more and more people are enjoying it and uh, that makes me happy and We'll see what the 2018 season entails and the, the story, the soap opera, the narrative. And and that's, I guess, where I'm going to start before we get to Mark, just set it up here. It's funny how everybody, every writer, every publication, whether it's Sports Illustrated, which is predicting the Mets to make the playoffs, or various writers giving their two cents on who's going to win the division, you know how the Yankees are going to be. Uh, the best offensive Yankees team since the 61 Yankees, how Judge and Stanton are going to hit more home runs than Maris and Mantle, or whatever, whatever prediction you see out there. Uh, You know, that's not really what this show is about. I'm not going to sit here and make predictions and tell you who's going to win the East, who's going to win the Central, who's going to win the West, who's going to win the Wild Card, because truthfully, none of us knows. And um, I don't think a lot of you, even in the worst-case scenario, would have predicted the Mets to win 70 games last year. Uh, I don't know how many of you back in 2015 would have predicted the Mets to win the pennant and go to the World Series. Uh, So to do that exercise, to hear my opinion, because I don't know, uh, is pretty worthless on that. And and I'm not going to spend an hour of your time wasting your time with those kind of predictions, who's going to be MVP, things like that. What I will say is this, and how I would preview the 2018 Mets, I think spring training, for me, was not about wins and losses, although it's nice to see a team win and, and see them play well. It, it was a little bit about the pitcher staying healthy, and for the most part, mission accomplished, Jason Vargas notwithstanding, and that was a freak injury. It really wasn't about introducing any of the new faces like Frazier and Adrian Gonzalez and Schwarzak and and guys like that, or reintroducing a Jay Bruce. It really wasn't about that. To me, the theme and what I was looking for was what's this new management team and coaching staff all about? Uh, Is this a, a coaching staff that shows the signs of being a competent coaching staff? The thing, and I've said this, and and maybe you're tired of it, but it's so important. And to me, there's, there's really no other theme at this point in the year that should be focused on other than the fact that the Mets over the last seven years have been vastly mismanaged on the pitching side, on the, on the, on the managerial side. And that's not the only reason they, have, they haven't had success or so have had losing records. But it's been a big part, and I think it's been underplayed by the media. I think it's been underplayed by the fans. I think it's been underplayed by the, the, the Mets' uh, upper management team as well. And, and, and I think if you really got them in a room with some truth serum, you would, you would have them tell you that as well, one-on-one, off the record, things like that. For Sandy Alderson to make a comment on WOR last week about how, although players are getting sent down, the messaging of that demotion – has been positive enough where they're not walking away scratching their head, confused about where they stand with the organization. That to me, as innocuous or maybe as something that you would just process and throw away while you're listening to a program about uh, you know Sandy and the Mets and, and what he has to say about the team, to me that tells you all you need to know about what the issues were it was communication. Uh, was discipline, was accountability. There's no surprise that the media, everybody's been talking about accountability, been talking about structure, been talking about process with this team, because for so long, even when they went to the World Series, none of that has been areas of strength for them. And all you heard over the course of the last few years is how the veterans Uh, We'll manage the clubhouse. They're a second half club. Things will come together because they always come together for this club. And, uh, you know, it it really was nothing more than that. And and it is so much more than that because any good coaching staff, any good organization has good process. And for Sandy Alderson, a guy who prides himself on process, a Marine, uh, a disciplined individual, to be running a ship here for lack of a better word, that has been a lacking process, been lacking discipline, been lacking structure, uh, been lacking communication, really is, is, is astonishing. Uh, and we know why it went on so long, because the guy who signs his checks was okay with it. And I think throughout the spring, you saw how things are going to be a little bit different. Now, Mickey Calloway has a ton to prove. Dave Island has a ton to prove. But you have to be encouraged. You have to be encouraged about how the discipline has been, Mickey Calloway and Dave Island both have not been afraid to call these guys out, specifically Island the other day uh, regarding uh, Zach Wheeler and, and, and basically saying, hey, you know, in, in, a, in, in a nutshell, paraphrasing, you have to perform at this level. They certainly understand their role in helping the guys prepare and get better. But at the end of the, end of the day, it's about the players. Now, you'll say, well, Mike, wasn't that essentially with Terry Collins and Dan Wharton or any other manager in baseball Isn't that what they espouse to these players? And the answer is not all the time. Not all the time. I think you have to remember you're not dealing with uh, all the times uh, uh, mature adults. You're dealing with some guys in their early twenties. Think about where you were as an individual in your early twenties, mid twenties, even late twenties. And and that's why the adults in the room have to set the tone. And it's not just about being this overseer who manages the media. it's, it, it allows the veterans, uh, who are their colleagues, no matter how much time they have in the game, do the heavy, heavy lifting. It's about setting the tone and setting the expectation. And I think the Mets of 2018 right now are going into the season knowing that in order to keep a roster spot, you have to perform. In order to maintain status in the lineup, you have to perform. You're accountable for putting the time in to get yourself prepared to go out there And execute as best as possible does that mean you're going to win no does that mean you're going to be perfect absolutely not does that mean that uh, everything that you do is going to be uh, approved by this uh, management team Uh, that that the the process you go about is, is is perfect no what it means is that you're putting yourself in the best position to win and that is all anybody in any sport especially a sport with 162 games over 180 plus days where you could do everything perfect and that ground ball in the ninth inning takes a bad hop and goes into left field and the winning run scores and you say to yourself, but I made the right pitch. But you know what? More times than not, that scenario won't be the outcome because good process will more than likely, not all the time, lead to good outcome. Bad process that leads to good outcome yeah, that'll happen, but that'll run out. You saw that with the 2018, uh, 2017 Mets. Um, and I think right now the Mets are trying to employ good principles, good process. They have a, a manager that's still learning on the job. And, and that was really where this will all come into play, where you will see whether or not Mickey Callaway could handle this. How is he going to manage the bullpen? How is he going to manage the day-to-day uh, scenario with, the interactions with this roster, the drama that comes up. How is he going to continue to deal with the media? This clubhouse seems to be so far filled with some professionals. Uh, you've, they've imported some guys. Like I said, they re-imported Jay Bruce. I think Todd Frazier is a professional. I think uh, you know you got some really good guys in that clubhouse looking to go out there and win. I know David Wright, who you know is the captain and, and has been the leader, is, is not going to be in that clubhouse. So we have to stop talking about how much they miss right Now they need to rely on guys like Todd Frazier and maybe Brandon Nimmo and Michael Conforto, and, and, and I know everybody rags on him, and, and he's had some times in his career where he's been a bit of a divisive clubhouse guy, Adrian Gonzalez. You know, can the catchers, Darno and Plowicki step up and be on-field and off-field leaders? You know, is, is Chubel Cabrera going to worry about his playing time, or uh, can he step up and and be a leader as well. Uh, Jose Reyes, who's who's been in the game a long time, you know, even if he's not, you know, is more of the emotional leader or the guy that's always been the energizer bunny out there. What kind of leadership can he provide? Can he help some of the young Latin guys like a Rosario? You know, there is enough guys on this roster that have been around long enough, and and may listen. This may be their last shot. There's no guarantee for a Gonzalez or a Reyes for next year. Ask some of the the veterans that did not get jobs this winter. You think Matt Holliday, who played for the Yankees last year, was expecting not to be on a roster? You think Jose Bautista, who's a guy that was hitting home runs and was just two or three years ago in the playoffs so, you know, and, and making news with his flip bat, you think he was planning on being home right now? So things change pretty quick. And the only prediction I have for you is that I think that it'll be a season where whatever we say and talk about now, probably won't be a theme in October. And there'll be lots of things in between that there's no way we'll be able to predict or know. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I think the Mets are going to put themselves in a position where I believe, to borrow that old cliche, that corny cliche from Fred Wilpon, they'll be playing meaningful games in September and maybe meaningful games in October, at least maybe one meaningful game. And in a short series if this pitching staff is healthy and the Mets can get to that five game or seven game series, I like their chances. That doesn't mean they're going to win. It doesn't mean I'm going to guarantee they're going to win. And if they play the nationals or the Cubs, or maybe even the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, certainly the Dodgers, maybe the giants, any of those teams in a short series, they could absolutely pull it out. I could also see that series being one where, um, you know, that, that, that they come out on the short end. So, Yeah, am I playing the fence here? Absolutely. I do believe the Mets are a team that can win 88 to 90 games at least. Uh, I think they fall into that, you know, providing they're healthy. Uh, I think they'll fall into that range. I think they can go north of that. Some things have to go really well. Some things have to really fall into play, and they have to stay really healthy. And right now, none of us can predict that here on Monday, March 26th. We just can't. And to say that we can and, and to do those exercises, to me, is a, is an utter waste of time. It's just, it's not something that I, I feel makes for really good radio. Um, and that's something that I'm really interested in doing. So uh, to me, that's really where it's at. Um, the roster, you know, has some very, you know, and I'll end on this before we get to Mark. I think spring training brought up some really interesting individuals on the roster. I think the, the Phil Evans story, a guy who, you know, really had no shot it looked like to make the roster and went out there made himself versatile, playing multiple positions, hit in spring training. I call it kind of the Darren Reed Award, right? Uh, you know Who's the guy in spring training that stands out? And the reason I call it the Darren Reed Award is because Darren Reed was a prospect with the Mets. They actually acquired him from the Yankees back in the 80s when when they traded Rafael Santana. And Darren Reed would always hit in spring training. And I actually had him on my WGBB show many, many years ago. And no matter how well he performed in spring training, one or two things would happen. He'd get sent down, usually because of injury, and secondly, because of numbers. He was always the 26th best player on a 25-man roster. And it always, for me, was what I would call the guy in spring training that would play well, probably wasn't meant to make the roster, would would perform, he'd get sent down, and then that's it. You probably wouldn't hear from him unless there'd be a a possibility for a September call-up or to sub in. When you know there's a need or two week need because of a disabled list, well, Phil Evans actually made the roster. Jacob Rom made the roster, so they they may have won the Darren Reed Award for standouts in spring, but they're here. They're not going down to back in the day. It was Darren Reed was getting sent down to Tidewater, which became Norfolk. Uh, they're not getting sent down to Vegas. That's what it is. And one more year of Vegas. So one more year of Vegas. So the, uh, no, you know, those two guys who would be the Darren Reed recipients are, uh, are going to be on the opening day roster. And Zach Wheeler's not. And, and I think you heard the comments by Dave Island, and, and rightfully so. But you're going to see Zach Wheeler. Um, you may see Chris Flexen. You're going to see a bunch of these guys. The Mets are going to need way more than the five starters and the eight, you know, the, the, the additional uh, you know, eight relievers. And, and, and they're going to need more than the, the 12 to 13 pitchers that you're going to see over the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, it's going to take a lot more than that. I think this team's prepared. I think if they're in the, in, in the race, I think they'll spend some money to import what they need. And I keep saying this, and, and you know, forget the help for a minute. Forget the, the manager. Those are, are certainly the, the keys or the, the linchpins of what can be a successful season. But I am really curious to see how Callaway manages this bullpen. You've got a, got two guys that have closed before. So how do you manage that? You know, you've got a situational lefty. Uh, like Blevins that you're going to need to, you only have one lefty coming out of that pen. Now Abad was Fernando Abad was signed. So possibility exists that they could get a second lefty more than likely. Maybe a Jacob Rahm would get sent down or if, you know, if a gazelleman uh, was needed to be stretched out or wasn't starting, you know, I think eventually having two lefties in the bullpen, especially in the starts where you only get five innings, where you have to navigate a Freddie Freeman type a couple of times throughout the late innings. That is helpful. Um, so maybe that'll be something that to look for. But ultimately what I'm looking for is how that bullpen is managed, and it has not been managed well for the better part of maybe 15 years. Maybe Willie didn't do that bad of a job, but it's been a long time since we've seen good quality bullpen management no matter how good the arms are down there. And I will always say this. Forget the names on the baseball card. Forget the names on the back of the jersey with bullpens. Yes, talent does play Uh, a large part into a solid bullpen but i have seen go back to some of the old st louis cardinals rosters look at the 2006 cardinals bullpen there's some good names in there but there was also some guys that never really did much uh, after and tony LaRusso made the most out of that you can make the most out of a bullpen if you put guys in a position to succeed in the right position to be successful and you know, that comes with preparation, that comes with being open and honest with these guys about uh, what you expect from them, and that all starts in the managerial office. And so far, Mickey Callaway has shown a lot of interesting attributes. I think Dave Island has shown uh, to be the solid top-tier pitching coach that you thought you were getting when you brought him on, who's had success with the Yankees and the Royals and, and has won a couple of championships. So uh, I'll leave you guys with that. I'm going to take a quick break. When we return, it will be Mark Healy, Gotham Baseball, Gotham Baseball Magazine. We dive into the 2018 baseball season opening day uh, just a couple of days away. Noah Syndergaard will be taking on the St. Louis Cardinals on Thursday. The journey begins. The excursion begins. The marathon begins. And we'll be here every week to take a look and discuss what's happening, uh, react to it, do a few features along the way. I'm sure there'll be some cool books coming out this year. I'm sure there'll be some cool guests that we can get on. And year number three of the Talking Mets podcast, really now, uh, it has always begun because we do it all every week, but I guess we're really, after the break, kicking off, as we preview opening day, we're kicking off the baseball season, the 2018 baseball season officially. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check out the show all the time. At com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and uh, you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, whatever podcasting service you desire, and check us out also at The Grueling Truth, which is part of the iHeartRadio network. We'll be back with Mark Healy of Gotham Baseball Magazine right after this. Hey, Mets fans, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Right now, that's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, and get Metzmerized today. We're back and joining us. Let's uh, kick off the 2018 baseball season with our friend from Gotham Baseball, Mark Healy. You could check him out on Twitter at mark c healy. And Mark, uh, another baseball season. What what baseball season number is this for you? I've been pretty much watching since I'm gonna say '87 is when I, you know I was 10 years old, and I guess you could count that as the first one, but. I know you're a little bit more long in the tooth when it comes to being a baseball veteran. What what baseball season opening day is? it? Seventy
2: six. Seventy six was my first season of really
0: like watching. Yeah, very underrated Mets season. I mean, they they didn't come close to it in division, but not a bad team there in seventy six. No, definitely not. So, give me an opening day before we get to this team. Give me an opening day memory when you have opening day. You know, whether it be on the road, it's obviously at City Field on Thursday. Is there a memory, is there a thing, is there an event that always comes to your mind when you think of opening day and obviously will come to your mind Thursday morning when you wake up and you know that Mets baseball is back and baseball is back in general?
2: Opening day memories for me, uh, my number one is when Siever came back in 83. I still don't, I mean look, I've been to a, a ton of opening days, I've watched a ton of opening days. But the most exciting for me was to see Seaver walk in from the bullpen and, you know, see him back, you know, in a Met uniform on the Shea Stadium
0: you know, mound.
2: That, that, to me, you know, it was a great game. You know, he struck out, I think, Pete Rose a couple of times, one time looking. Um, Doug Sisk actually came in, I believe, and finished the game. And, you know, back then in 83, I was a big Doug Sis fan. So, you know, um, but I, I really, I just remember that game. I enjoyed that game. I was so excited to see Seaver back. So that's probably my, you know, that's probably my big opening day
0: memory. That's, uh, that's for sure. has been so many and, uh, you know, I, I actually was at the game when Ardonias threw, uh, was it Royce Clayton out from his knees? I remember being at that game. And you know what I always remember about that opening day was when you saw Ardonius play short, even I was in the upper deck last row, You the the athleticism, it was something you never really had seen before at that point. I always remember that. I mean, just watching him from above and how quickly he moved, it stood out to you. And of course, that's 96, so... That's the, uh, you know, the you know, at the end of the strike and everything like that. So, uh, you know, moving forward, spring training just ended. And and for me, it wasn't about wins and losses. It wasn't about, you know, anything but, okay, can this team stay healthy? Can this rotation stay healthy? And for the most part, they did, Jason Vargas notwithstanding. And Vargas was a bit of a freak injury. But it was about looking to see what this new regime, Dave Island, Mickey Calloway, how would they handle this team, this you know, how would they introduce themselves to New York? And look, I don't think they've done things that aren't basic principles of being a good staff. But you have to be somewhat impressed that what Callaway said during the press conference, he's tried to implement thus far. Now, whether it will continue is another thing. That uh, also, I think, sheds light on how I think bad things were at times with the prior regime which uh, I guess I'll let you get into. So what, what are your thoughts? Like, What are you looking at this now, opening day? I feel like at least from a management standpoint, uh, it, it was a successful spring from that point of view.
2: Well, look, I, look I'm going to totally agree with you, and you know that I am totally agreeing with you because we, we have discussed this many times before. Um, the prior regime was awful at getting more out of less. Um there was such a, it just seemed that the only time that Warden and Perry Collins were getting anything out of this club was when, you know, they were bullying teams, you know, when they had, you know, a healthy Syndergaard on the mound, a healthy Harvey on the mound and, you know, a healthy Cespedes hitting bombs, you know? Yeah, it's great. You know, you look a lot smarter when, you know, that type of thing is happening. Uh, However, you know, when, when, there was, let's be honest, outside of 2015, I mean, they were lucky to make the wild card game, you know, the play-in game in in 2016. 2015, I mean, they, they, you know, that was no management feat. I mean, that was just, you know, good players being healthy and great pitching staff, powering them, you know, past everyone. But let's be honest, I mean, Callaway and Island, I mean, what Island said the other day about Zach Wheeler, you know, you want to talk about, you know, someone whose analysis was spot on that really this team hasn't seen in the organization since Wally was here because Wally could be, not only be right, but have his analysis make, you know, a tremendous amount of baseball sense. So uh, I've been impressed with Callaway. I think he's let Island do his thing even though he's a pitching coach as well. And I just love what I've seen out of certain guys. It just seems that there was not – there could have been a lot of nonsense, you know, just because of Tebow being in camp and, you know, just the overall kind of clown show that, that you know, this, this front office can, can, you know, put together at times. But I really think that this, you know, especially – and DeSarcina is a guy that doesn't get a lot of credit, but I've heard raves about Gary DeSarcina as the bench coach, a guy who's organized, who's been running – uh, you know, spring training and w- running workouts for the positional players. Heard raves about him. You know, and I, I just really like the approach. It just seems like we're not sitting on our hands and hoping for things to, you know, hoping for things to go well. It seems like you know the, these 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 guys, this new manager, this new pitching coach, this new bench coach, have really kind of taken the reins and are. You know, at least right now, it looks, I'm very confident that they will have an overall positive effect on the roster.
0: Absolutely agree with that. Mark Healy, Gotham Baseball. Check out Gotham Baseball at Gotham Baseball on Twitter at GothamBaseball.com. I'm sure there'll be tons of stuff, uh, season previews, things of that nature. Give me somebody that really stood out and surprised you in camp. Anybody that really you went into camp not thinking much about, and here we are, opening day, a couple of days away, and you're like, you know, that, that really was someone I never would have thought, maybe not that they wouldn't make the roster, but that you would have been as engaged in, in their spring as you were.
2: The catchers, both catchers. Um, you know, Darno and Kowecki, who I've never really been enamored with either. Um, really showed me that um, maybe it's because of the relationship that they have, you know, that they're good buddies. Maybe it's because um, be, they've been given a lot of, and this goes back to Callaway and Island, they've been given a lot of responsibility um, with the pitching staff. And that's the way it should be, uh, frankly. You know, it, you know, for me, that's why I was pushing for the acquisition of McCann a couple of years ago, because I really felt that this team needed – you know, a catcher, a veteran catcher to kind of come in and, you know, and take take this pitching staff, you know, by the scruff of the neck and be like, hey, guys, you know, you you pitch the game I call. You know, it's almost as if, if, you know, Warden had these guys thinking that they were all fancy pants, that they were like, you know, uh, you know, the kings of the hill, where really the catcher is the guy. You go back to Grody. You go back to, you know, Gary Carter. You know, the catcher runs the team. You know the catcher runs the staff. The catcher calls the pitches. You know the catcher is really part of the of the game plan. So from that aspect, I really think that, um, you know the team is really going to benefit from that. And Puweki and and Darno and the, and the the spring that they both had really makes me feel like you know, that this team is at least going to be okay. And, we know, last year, at the end of last year, when they said that, you know, we're happy with our catchers, I was like, are you watching the same team that we are? But I'm really happy Absolutely. with those two guys.
0: And, and I heard Eduardo Perez say this on the MLB Network, and everyone used to argue with me on this and say last year, no, he's not calling pitches from the dugout. They're looking for signs. I think Dan Wharton was calling the game. A lot. No and question. I think, and I mean, if anybody argues that, I don't have to be down in the dugout or in the locker room. You I mean, just watch the TV. And when I heard Dave Island on top of that say, we're going to pitch inside, anybody, and I know this for a fact, anybody who's watched the Mets since 2011 when Collins was here and going back before Worthen, Worthen was not a pitch inside guy. Worthen was away, away, away. And as a matter of fact, Mark, and I'm sure you did this, you could have predicted the sequence of pitches from your couch late in games. Pretty much. And if you and I could much. do that, and if you and I could do that, let me ask you, if you and I could do that with a beer in a hand or soda in the hand or whatever you're doing, what makes you think the other team isn't doing it or well, the hitter's not doing it on their end? And I think I think that's going to be a big difference because this team did not pitch inside and I think Worthen called, I, I don't know the percentage, but a large majority of those games. And I think that hurts a catcher. It hurts the confidence of a Darno. And do I know for sure that he brought it up to the plate? I don't know, but Can't help at all in his development. Well, here's the other thing too. You know,
2: Watson is not was not a guy that had this you know great resume of working with you know pitchers where he you know was a major league pitching coach winning you know winning all kinds of division titles and championships. You know that's the other thing. It's like you're given this you're given a coach the kind of currency that you'd give him if he was you know someone who had won at a big you know big time level i mean he he survived three managers so i always questioned and look and i'll be the first one to say maya culpa because i was pushing hard for the mets to fire rick peterson and to bring in for him um i was one of those guys and you know i regretted it as soon as i talked pitching one day with rick peterson I knew I said, wow, I'm a dummy, you know, and I even said to him, I said, Rick, you know, I apologize, you know, I thought Dan Wartman was the answer, and I, I thought you were part of the problem, not part of the solution, and, you know, he laughed, and he said, thank you for your honesty, and I know you have a relationship with Rick as well, so it's funny that, you know, here we are, finally getting a pitching coach with a pedigree who's been successful with, you know, more than one organization, and a guy who... Let's be honest, if he hadn't, you know, done a couple of things he was supposed to be doing, he he, maybe he would have been, you know, the the pitching coach still with the New York Yankees. So, you know, I I I really think that uh, what you're saying is is really true that I really do think that Wharton tried to control the control the game, and I think Terry was so clueless about pitching, he deferred so much to Warthon. I really think you're gonna see a really big change from that aspect of, of what happens, you know, with the New York Mets as far as their pitching staff going forward.
0: And Sandy Alderson said something on WOR on Friday about how even the players that – and I don't know if this is an indictment on himself as well because I think he, you know, he plays part of it, but it's obviously the managers the first to deliver the message that any of the players who were sent down at least got the right messaging about why they were sent down and it wasn't just, hey, you know, we're cu- you know, you're know you going down and we'll see you at some point this year. Stay ready. And I got to think that ties into the manager because communication and the Mark Currig article, and we've done it and we've talked about it, that came out at the end of the year, talked about how the young players just felt disconnected. Uh, you're going to need more than 25 guys. You're going to need more than, you know, 12, 13 pitchers on the staff. You're going to need you know, four, 35, 40, maybe 45 guys this year to help out, and if the messaging is there and if they know and they're ready to be called up or they know what they need to work on, and they're and just being honest, I think that's the thing, Mark. You've talked to a number of minor leaguers and big leaguers, and the biggest thing they'll always say is the BS that organizations throw at them, even veterans. And if you're honest with them, they may not like it, but they have to accept it, and they'll respect it. And I think that really stood out hearing that. Sandy Alderson himself saying that, that's not code. That's, that, to me, is a message, and that, that has to be connected to the prior regime. And that's a good sign early on. We'll see if it continues.
2: Well, I, look, you, you know as well as I do, and if you remember a couple of years ago at the, at the QBC when I talked about how, and, and, you know, a couple of people really kind of downplayed what I said, but it turned out to be 100% true, is that when Wally left the organization or was sent away from the organization, depending on who you believe, um... Terry Collins really lost his only person in the in the organization who he listened to when it came to player value it was the only guy he trusted was Wally. You know, when when somebody would come up, Wally would call Terry and be like, you know, this this guy can do this, this guy can do that. Don't put him in this situation, don't put him in that situation. And once Wally left, you know, Terry lost that. He completely lost that 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 lifeline. And not that, you know, not that it was a situation that he could have controlled but you know because we know terry on more than one occasion won a wally on the coaching staff and i really think that you know this new guy uh francesco who's the triple a uh, going to be a triple a w- with las vegas uh, supposedly he's a really good communicator he's somebody that's worked with alderson before so there won't be as much pushback but you know i you and i are wally fans we thought that wally was you know the best talent evaluator in the organization. I still kind of think that. Sure. Um, but I, I know what you're talking about as far as communication, as far as guys being prepared. But again, you know, it comes down to um there has to be there has to be teamwork within the organization. And you know, maybe with this new maybe with this new group that will have that. I don't have personally I'm not a fan of Sandy all or his front office. And I think he's a mixed bag as a general manager. I think he's a mixed bag as a as a leader of the of the field personnel, uh, a leader of the front office. Um, I know that everybody loves him, and he's a Marine, and they all love that narrative. But at the end of the day, I don't care about process. I care about results. So you know, as far as I'm concerned, and I've said this before, you know, Steve Phillips won a wild card, and you know, and went to went to went to the playoffs back to back seasons, won a pennant. And lost the World Series, so you know I don't see. I mean, this is really the make-or-break year for Sandy Alderson, as far as his Mets, you know, his Mets tenure is concerned. For me, um, but at the end of the day, if you ask me, uh, you know, where I am with this team, I'm very optimistic. I actually, um, you know, going into the season, I was very upset they didn't sign Joe Smith. I really don't love the fact that they chose Swarzak over Smith. You know, because then the Astros, of course, you know, signed Smith. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so for me, outside of that, um, I kind of like what they've done. You know, and I kind of like the team, and I'm I'm actually optimistic
0: about the season going forward. Yeah, they got some grinders in that locker room too. I think Todd Frazier brings a, a lot to sure. to, to yep. that mix. Who's your biggest disappointment this spring? Um, you know, who were you really are you really down on? Whether it be someone who's on the roster or been sent down and. Really well, I think disappointment.
2: About. I think I think disappointment slash down on are two different things. Um, number one, um, I'm down on Adrian Gonzalez. I was kind of was kind of neutral about the signing because I did not want Duda back um, because I've seen enough of Lucas Duda and his 220 batting average with runners in scoring position, um, and you know, waiting for a guy who you know to drive in runs that that doesn't. Um, And I like Duda. My son likes Duda. Uh, My son's a big Duda guy, and he wanted him back. But, you know, I mean, I I wanted to move in a different direction. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be Adrian Gonzalez, but I was kind of hoping that at least he would show something during the course of the spring to justify uh, that signing. And I think that all the Mets fans that bemoaned the idea that they were interested in Adam Lind um, actually would prefer to have Adam Lind right now. Um, as far as, uh, as, far as um, disappointed, um, Montero is a guy that I'm really disappointed about. Obviously, with the injury, you know, that kind of um, softens that blow as far as being disappointed. But I really thought that Dave Island, I thought good pitching uh, minds could help Montero get over the hump. And, you know, it's just disappointing because I've, I've rooted for that guy for so long. I've wanted him to perform so long. Um, I really wanted him to be kind of, you know, a special laden guy that would, would, you know, be kind of, you know, be kind of special and it would be a nice little homegrown story that this guy overcame what he overcame. So, you know, those are the two guys. I'm not really down on anybody else. I think, I think the Mets had a good spring regardless of the record. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't really put too much, I don't really put too much stock in win-loss records during the spring, and I, I really am not down on anybody because I think I liked what I've seen so far.
0: Will uh, Will the Mets be? Well, what do you think of Matt Harvey? Because he's always an interesting one, and can the Mets rotation still navigate, let's say, a Harvey that potentially pitches like he did the last couple of years? And and collapses, you think they have enough depth. The Harvey's the interesting no, one. I
2: think he'll I actually think he'll be solid. I actually think he'll be solid. I think that he has a lot to pitch for. I think that um I think if he gets off the you know, the beaten path that Island will beat him back onto it. Um it really I, I I've never been a huge Matt Harvey guy and I've never been down on him when he wasn't battling, when he wasn't playing well. So, you know, for me um, I take it as it comes, you know. I'm not. I'm the kind of guy who didn't care that he went to the Yankee game. I'm the guy that doesn't care that you know that he has this page six, page six uh, personality. At the end of the day, uh, when Matt Harvey's pitching well, I really don't care what, what else he does. You know, as long as he's pitching well and 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 is getting the ball every fifth day, um, you know, to me, I really think that. Max is the key to the, to the rotation anyway. You know, having that lefty that can, you know, mix really well with the other two righties in DeGrom and Tendergaard, to, to me, matches the difference between this team pushing to win 90 games and this team falling apart. I know everybody has a different, you know, theory of that, but to me, the lefty is the key.
0: All right. So I hate predictions, but everybody makes them. They're like, you know what? Um, what do you got? 88 wins, 90 wins. Wild. Card. I got 90 wins.
2: I, I I've already picked them. I've already picked them to do to win 90 games. I'm going to stick by that. You That's know, to me, point. if you're going to pick them, if you're going to pick them with 88, what the hell is the difference? <laughs> you know, pick the nice round number. Nine is my lucky hey, number. The
0: guys at FanGraphs would take a lot of issue with that, with you, Mark, because oh, you know there is the please. the wins above replacement. Yeah, let me tell you I still remember us talking about VORP. You know, you know, it's funny that we really didn't like that stuff back in the day, and I sound like an old fart. It's only like 10 years ago, but. It actually, some of it's not bad, but it's, no, it's no, okay. no,
2: definitely not. I, much. you know, I have so many friends in that in that industry, um, you know, whether it's uh, you know, you know, Saris, whether it's you know, the the fantasy guys, and and you know, it, it's just, you know, for me, I I I look at it and I use it when it suits me, because that's how they do it, you know, because. <laughs>
0: Hey, they got that. I remember, Mark, I'll always tell you this. I remember accusing them back in the day. I said, you guys are all looking for jobs. Oh, you! how can you say that? We're seeking right, the right, truth. Right. This isn't about jobs. It, they were all looking for jobs. They got, God bless them. The they room. got them. And you know yeah. what? God bless them. They got them. I have nothing against them. Just be honest about who you are. You know, non sequitur and things like that. But um, Gotham Baseball, so uh, I know you, you've been more active there. Uh, I know you've been on the fantasy sports channel. You, you've, you've been doing the fantasy thing in the past. So what's going to come up in 2018 with the magazine online, obviously Twitter account, Gotham baseball at Mark C. Healy. I you got your really own, uh, you know.
2: About I can't really talk about some of the projects that we're working on because they're all being reviewed. Um, but we have some stuff cooking for this year, um, for the Gotham baseball brand that, um, is going to be really exciting. Um, I can talk about the fact that there's a book project um, um, that uh, is going to be... Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just reluctant to talk about it because we haven't... You, and, you know, nothing's been signed and nothing's been, you know... But there's some exciting stuff happening. You know, the the, the logo redesigned by Todd Radham. Uh, the great Todd Radham was just the first piece of what could be a very special year um, in 2018 for Gotham baseball. So, you know, we've got Gary Armida, your old friend, you know, you know him well. Uh, Shai Kushner has yep. been writing for us. Uh, Mets Daddy, the blogger from Mets Marais, he's been writing for us. Um, you know, and we're, we're, we have some partnerships that are up in the air that we haven't decided yet what we want to do because it's really right now the workload is just, you know, it's really insane right now, so we're just trying to let the season start, kind of soft launch some stuff, but um, people should be keeping an eye on Gotham, because there's really some the really Subway exciting series.
0: stuff. And maybe the Subway Series get some juice back. You know, in the spirit of Gotham, which is about not just the Mets, it's about New York baseball, past, present, and future. future, uh, maybe get some juice back to the Subway Series of the Yankees, I know Greg Bird is out a little bit, but... Yankees uh, have a lot of expectations. It's been a while since you really could get into that. Maybe a good six, seven years maybe? Maybe more, Mark, that that thing is really it's lacked the juice for a long time. either both teams I, I think are it's not I think, it think or, it's
2: lacked juice. I think it's lacked juice since Piazza left, to be honest, because that was the last time they were really fair. you know, and, and, and I think that this team, um, just based on, you know, the way that these guys are, I think this team is gonna play with a chip on a shoulder. And I think I think they've missed that. And I think that, you know, a healthy Cespedes will allow them to play with more of that chip, and not the Carlos Delgado, where so good it's boring chip. You know, yeah. uh, a guy who would shy away from a from a collision, or, or you know, God forbid he ever ran down hard to first base. I mean, Cespedes isn't Mister Hustle, but he's fun. Carlos Delgado was never fun. He was an impact bat. And he was a guy that you hated to root for, but you know, um, I think at the
0: end of the depends, day, I think the team depends teen- today's day and age. They actually would make him a hero. So let's let's yeah, that. I, guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I guess. <laughs> and who knows if people are picking up on that? I gotta, i gonna get us. You're gonna get us in trouble there. Next, you know, you're gonna talk politics because Well, what about your uh, your newspaper? You got anything about the newspaper? I know you're over at, in the Rockaways. Anything about that?
2: Well, we have the, uh, and that's really one of the reasons why the workload is so high. We've got our, um, we're celebrating our 125th year uh, this year. So we've got a big, you know, 100 page, 100, 125th issue that's coming out, uh, if not next week, the week after. So, you know, so that's a, that's that's a big deal. But that's, you know, that's the day to day uh, happenings of what's happening in Rockaway beach, which is, uh, you know, up and coming, really up and coming since Sandy and, and really, um, a great place to work. So, uh, we got that cooking and, you know, it's, uh, it's just going to be an exciting year. 2018 is going to be a big year. I turned 50 in June. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of good stuff happening.
0: Look at that. You have to have a big birthday bash at, the uh, well, Gotham. We'll We'll see. So, all right. Well, you you get going. Uh, looking forward to it. Let's catch up during the season. Always having fun and uh, be well, my friend. All right. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me, Mark Healy. Gotham baseball, fun stuff. Uh, really interesting. Interesting uh, take. You know, like like I said in the open, I'm not into predictions, but you do feel good about this team. Uh, about certain aspects of this team. I, I, you know, not to say that it's it's not going to be a season without its ups and downs. I think it might be a team with a, a bit of a feast or famine offensively. If the pitching staff stays healthy, I, I really feel good about the starters. And I always think that um, uh, it comes down to the bullpen. And we'll see can they stay healthy? Can they be managed properly? Um, they got some guys who have been closers. You know, Ramos, like I said, makes me a little bit nervous, but I think the bullpen is going to be key. And you have a pitching coach and a manager. That are going to hold these guys accountable. I think they're going to go for the guy that puts them in the best position to win. I think they're going to put guys in positions to win. And that's all you could ask for. So, next stop, opening day. St. Louis Cardinals, Noah Syndergaard Thursday. Looking to have a lot of fun with it. Looking to have fun with you guys this season, for the regular season. Of course, I want to thank our friend Mark Healy. You can check him out on Twitter, at Mark C. Healy. And uh, Gotham Baseball Magazine, GothamBaseball.com. I want to thank the good folks at MetsamorizedOnline.com for hosting this show. Check me out uh, at The Grueling Truth, also on the iHeart Media Network, iHeart Radio Network. And you can check me out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy opening day. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. Till then, take care. Regular states and baseball is
1: here. required listening with amazon music dad music again the greatest guitarist of all time wait who alexa add this song to a new playlist sure what's the new playlist name jack's intro to classic rock adding stepping stone by Jimi hendrix to jack's intro to classic rock playlist Amazon Music, the simplest way to listen to the music you, and soon he, will love. New customers start your 30-day free trial at AmazonMusic.com. Renews automatically, cancel anytime. Required listening with Amazon Music. Dad music again? The greatest guitarist of all time. Wait, who? Alexa, add this song to a new playlist. Sure, what's the new playlist name? Jack's intro to classic rock. Adding Stepping Stone by Jimi Hendrix to Jack's intro to classic rock playlist. Amazon Music, the simplest way to listen to the music you, and soon he, will love. New customers start your 30-day free trial at amazonmusic.com. Renews automatically, cancel anytime.